Welcome to the FBC Tullahoma Missions Podcast, where we ask our members and our listeners the simple question, where will you go as we seek to advance the gospel message of Jesus Christ and the kingdom of God from here to the least reached peoples on planet Earth today? In the pod, I have with me part of a team that just returned from Europe, working with refugees. They're going to share a little bit about what they did there. I hope you will stick around. All right, today in the pod, I have some team members from our church who just returned from Europe. They're going to be having a special lunch September 12th. That's right, right after church. If you haven't signed up for that, you need to sign up for it ASAP because you are almost out of time. But they're going to be having a special lunch on September 12th where they'll talk more. You'll see pictures. I have a face not for pictures and television, but for radio. That's why we do this this way. But on that day, you can actually see pictures and you can see faces. So we hope you will sign up and be there for that. But today, I want a few of these members to introduce themselves to you and tell us why you decided to go on this trip to Germany. Tell us who you are and why you decided to go. My name is Luke Ivy, and I went to Zambia in 2018, and ever since then, I just had a desire to go on another mission trip and look for another opportunity. There had been some that came up but kind of fell through, and then Germany popped up with a short notice but seemed like something that was a good opportunity to be able to go and spread the gospel. All right. Next. Yeah, so my name's Brick Neal, and I... Uh, Kind of in the same boat as Luke. I'm just very open to any opportunities that came up, and um, this seemed like a good trip, and I found out really last minute and decided didn't have anything going on, so might as well hop on it. (laughs) I'm Amber DaCosta, and um, at the church, we have a missions committee um, with our five tiers. If you've been listening, you guys know there's five tiers. Um, to our missions program here, and I am in charge of Tier 3, which is for um, Germany and Europe. So anyways, this became available super quickly, and I said, hey, let's get a team together and let's go. So that's my reason for going. My name is Joseph Seabolt. Uh, My wife went on this trip uh, two years ago and uh, really impacted her. And so when she returned, uh, we talked about the future. And when this trip happened again, decided that I would uh, try to go. Uh, This one came up pretty quickly, and it worked out for my schedule to be able to go. So uh, very excited I was able to make the trip. All right, there are a couple other people that aren't here today to share, but they were there too. You'll probably hear from them on September 12th. But Brooke, why don't you tell us a little bit about what your day looked like? Because it was a little different. We had COVID restrictions. We had other things, you know, that were kind of conflicting there. So just give us a little snapshot of the normal day on this trip. Okay, so um, a normal day looked like Vamal would come pick us up in the morning and we'd all go to the church where we would then get to have um, a devotion time um, and he would bring along some other believers, um, that former refugees and just some other people to come along and help. Um, we would get to hear a few of their stories in the morning usually and that was super impactful, I know, for me. Um, And then we would get to help with the hygiene bags. So um, we took hygiene bags into the camps every day. And so we would put those together in the morning and then eat lunch together and just kind of fellowship. And then the afternoon would um, pack everything up and go over to whatever camps we were visiting that day and just 
serve the people and give out the hygiene bags. Um, in the afternoons, we would, or evenings, we would normally go back to um, Vimal's house and just kind of be with their family and eat a meal together before we went back to the hotel. Okay. So tell us about these refugee camps. There's probably pictures people have in their mind. Obviously, I'm sure some people are thinking of tents strode across a an open field somewhere, um, you know, there's different types of refugee camps in different countries, different qualities. So you went to several different refugee camps when you were here, when you were in Germany on this trip. Uh, why don't you tell us something? Just give us a snapshot of one of those camps. Yeah, so uh, I had in my mind uh, your prototypical you know, picture of a refugee camp, not necessarily a tent city as some may think, but, uh, really poor conditions, you know, people living on top of one another. But I was very surprised that, um, you know, when we got there, we were, what we experienced was very similar to, uh, a hotel or something like that. Uh, maybe even an apartment complex, some of them, but one in particular, uh, was made from converted storage containers, and uh, or shipping containers not storage containers and so they had taken those and stacked them uh, too high and created kind of a um, two-story building out of it and then finished it out and so the doors were on the inside there was a hallway on the top and the bottom and so each room was that size and so there was either a family or an individual living in each of those rooms so it's really small uh, with a shared kitchen shared bathroom uh, similar to maybe a dorm experience, um, but not nearly as nice. And so um, really was humbled by um, the conditions that the people were living in. Uh, they had everything they needed, uh, and they were very happy to be there, especially considering where the, a lot of them had come from. Um, but it was still very humbling to to see where they were living. So what kind of people were in those particular camps? I'm sure they put people different types of people in different camps. What kind of people lived in the storage container? Yeah, so most of the people that were in that camp were individuals. Um, I'm trying to remember. I I believe all of the people there, it was all males. Um, And so uh, because they were a small, it was a smaller space, there weren't any families there, I don't believe. There may have been one or two. Uh, And so uh, some of the other camps we went to had families. uh, but this one in particular was mostly just individuals. So were they from a particular part of the globe or were they like, or was it just scattered? No, it was scattered. Uh, there were, there were some from different countries, uh, at this one. Um, there was, they didn't really seem to be grouped necessarily. More grouped by dudes who were single. Yes, exactly. Okay. All right. They were, but they were more. Tell us about another camp <clears throat> just to give us a little snapshot of what you, saw your first impressions what kind of people were there um another one of the camps we went to had it was kind of like the complete opposite of that not as far as conditions but people there it had mostly all families with kids and large families even that were there the rooms of course were not anything they weren't as bad as tents you would say but they were not you know five-star hotel type stuff they were pretty bleak and it seemed like everybody had a shared bathroom on each floor and a shared kitchen so it was not ideal especially for families to be living in these together but they all seemed to be pretty uh, joyful and they did have a small place outside for the kids to play and we uh, were able to interact with them a good bit while we were there 
So multiple families lived on each floor, and they all shared one bathroom and one kitchen. Yes. Is that what you're telling us? So mm-hmm. did they? Do you know if they ate together or if they sort of just? Came I don't in think and- they ate together. I'm pretty sure they all would just go cooking. What I mean, I don't know that a lot of cooking went on from the looks of the kitchen. It was mm-hmm. not good. So what about what about the people there? What were they? Did they seem to be from one area of the world, or were they scattered there too? They were pretty scattered, but there was a lot of. They seem to be from the same general region, but not from the same country, for sure. They did not all speak the same language by any means. Oh, okay. All right. Interesting. Well, if you hear that sound, you know what that sound means. It means that it is time for me to remind you one more time in the month of August that if you haven't bought John Payton's autobiography, you need to get on Amazon.com or somewhere, ChristianBook.com, and look up John Payton, P-A-T-O-N, his autobiography. He was a missionary to the New Hebrides. He has a great family story, a great local missions and ministry story that turned into an overseas mission to cannibals and a church plant and then a whole missionary movement to the New Hebrides. If you've not read John Payton's autobiography, you need to get a copy of it. This is your last reminder for the month of August. Go get that book, John Payton's Autobiography. All right, obviously we could probably go on and on and on about stories that impacted you. And I hope I hope that we can schedule a time where we can maybe have one or two of you in at a time to tell about a refugee. Give us a snapshot of a refugee's life so that people can hear the multiple stories and the difficulties the refugees go through. And people you actually met, people you actually got your picture taken with, people that you actually built some sort of relationship with and maybe even shared the gospel with here. So I'm hoping we can have maybe refugee stories coming up soon and uh, to spur people on in, in the refugee ministry. But I know there's got to be something that's burning on your heart that kind of stuck with you and impacted you on this trip. So why don't you tell us a story? So um, I was able to go on um, the 2019 trip that our church offered to Germany, where we assisted um, the missionary there um, with a sports camp um, geared towards refugees, just to be able to allow them to get out of their camps, to come and enjoy playing um, sports and fellowshipping, you know, with other people. Um, and so that trip, that trip was eye-opening to me and educating me maybe in even what a refugee is. So since 2019, I've spent the last two years educating myself on what a refugee is, listening to stories. Um, So this trip was a little different for me in the aspect of I'm not so much in shell shock, I guess, if you will, on refugee stories. They're all sad. They all come from a place of brokenness. Um, So that's not necessarily what this trip, to me, what stood out. Um, And when you say brokenness, you mean more than their air conditioner quit or (laughs) that their battery in their cars died or their cell phone screen cracked or something? Okay, so like real brokenness, we can't even imagine. Right, brokenness that, you know, maybe if we get a chance to share um, some actual stories um, with our listeners, they'll be able to hear what somebody who who has gone through tragedy, loss, um, 
running, literally running for their lives. Mm. Um, um, but yeah, on this trip, as I've been able to come home and reflect, you know, for me, listening to some of the stories of refugees, displaced people, who maybe they were believers and that's why they had to flee. Or maybe in their fleeing, they met Christ, right? Hearing their stories, they all shared something that I think so often, maybe in the Western world, we lack. And so as I came home and I'm just thinking on on my time there, thinking on the stories I heard, you know, most of these people never had the head knowledge. That, that was never an option for them to have head knowledge. All of theirs came from their soul, their spirit, the Holy Spirit in them, right? And so I think so often we rely so much on the knowledge that we've been given here, especially in America, of who Jesus is, who Christ is, what the Bible is. Um, And for them, they didn't have, they don't have that luxury. And, you know, one particular story, um, and I won't go into the details of it, but time and time again, you hear how close they felt the presence of God. It's like they felt him on their being. They felt them touch his, their arm, you know. Um, And I think so often, like, we miss that because we have so much head knowledge that, you know, we, we forget to really rely on the Holy Spirit. And so just coming home, like I'm thinking about that and, and I'm thinking, you know, these people are eternally grateful for what Jesus Christ did for them. I mean, eternally, meaning they know that if they were to die, like they are going to heaven and they are spending eternity with their savior. Right. You know, and, so I, I listened to the, their heart that they had to go through to experience that sweetness. And I've really struggled with, am I willing to experience that kind of heart, to experience that kind of presence? Mm. And that, that, that's a struggle. And it's a really hard place to be in right now, you know? Um, so, yeah, for me, that's a little more of what I'm reflecting on, that the Holy Spirit is, is trying to teach me, you know, is that not so much the hardness that the refugees go through, you know, that's something that I hope we are able to share more of, but. So possibly with all of our Sunday school literature, with all of our small group literature, with all of our publications, with all of our special conferences that are constantly going on through the year, with all of our puritanical reprints, Banner of Truth puts out, with all of our opportunities, with all of our preaching, with all of our stuff that we could potentially be ever learning and never coming to the knowledge of the truth. Because Christianity is experiential. Mm -hmm. And yes, it's true. Mm -hmm. And it's rooted in knowing. But if we know from our head and not from our spirit and our heart and our experience, we become talking heads, we become lecturers, we become Mm -hmm. professors and not possessors. Right. Uh, But who's willing to pay the price? Right. And you know, and I don't, I, through that, I also think to myself, I am thankful 
I am thankful, and I see it as mercy, that the Lord allowed me to be in a family with a mom and a dad who love each other, who love the Lord with everything in them, who have given me that, mm-hmm. right? I don't want to take anything away from that. Right. Mm-hmm. It's a blessing. It is. It is, and I do see it as mercy. So I think in that, like, it's just, do we, as believers, want to experience the uncomfortableness and the hardness that that a lot of these people around the world, most people outside of the Western world have to experience to experience the presence of Jesus as if he's touching them. Mm. So if you're talking to somebody, they're walking down the halls of First Baptist Church, and they say, well, you know, I heard about the trip, and I listened to the podcast, and I came to the lunch on September 12th, and I'm considering going on the next one, but I'm not sure if I want to do that or not. What do you say to this person who's considering going on the mission trip in the future or another trip like it that's kind of on the fence? I would just follow up on Amber's point. Um, you know, very seldom do we experience hard. Mm-hmm. Um, and not that going to Germany is hard, but it does require some sacrifice on our, on our side. Uh, sacrifice time. Uh, away from family, uh, you know, there's anxiety with traveling right now um, with the pandemic. And so <clears throat> in no way is it comparable to, um, you know, the, the things that these refugees have gone through uh, and these believers that we met. But um, I think we've, the, the only reason we don't Uh, step out and go on trips like this is the excuse that we find, Mm -hmm. whatever that may be. And it's easy to find an excuse. There's always an excuse. Uh, But I would challenge those people to really think about, um, think about it in a different way uh, and ask the question, why would I not go? Mm -hmm. Um, And really think about it that way because God has called us to go. And um, we should obey. And so whatever the sacrifice is for us, we should be willing to make that sacrifice. Um, you know, and, and even if it is hard, um, you know, he calls us to the hard things. And so um, that would be my challenge. Anybody else got something they want to say to that person on the fence? <clears throat> So something I would just say is, you know, it's it, there's difficulties just going because it's always hard to leave family, but it's an easy trip. Once you get over there, I mean, there was hot water, and you could brush your teeth with water coming out of the sink type of stuff. So, I mean, and the breakfast we had was amazing every morning. You know, you're getting to choose from your pretzels and your different breads and cheeses and stuff. So it's not like you're suffering suffering the Lord. immensely mm-hmm. once you get over there sure you're homesick and missing home but you're not going to some third world third world country you know but still you get to hear from people who have been to the who came out of the hardest places in the world which is you I mean you get to go and be somewhere easy but you get to hear from the hardest places in the world and get to hear the most amazing stories of not only the hard people coming out of hardship, but people who've come out of that hardship and then found 
the light of Christ once they leave that, and that was really impactful. Which is why we have these tiers. They're not they're not haphazard. Tier one, local ministry. You don't have to go anywhere but here. Tier two, get to New York. Get you on a plane. You don't have to leave the country. Technically, it's kind of out of the country now, but you don't have to leave the country with a passport. Tier three, you're going to another country, but you are still living in relative comfort, first world problems. So there's a there's a strategic step by step process we put in place. So yeah, it's an easy overseas trip. Brooke, what do you have to say? Well, I just think yeah, so much what Luke said, and it it literally is the perfect trip for someone who wants to see and wants to hear these stories and wants to um, encounter those people, but not have to go to the scary places mm. and the dangerous places. Um, like Luke said, you it's Germany. Um, it's very safe and um, very comfortable, yet um, so perspective-changing and life-changing if you allow it, the Lord to just speak to you and really um, – be in the encounters that uh, you have. And so, yeah, it's definitely a trip worth making. Scariest thing is riding with them all, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm just going to put a PSA out there. Okay. If you don't have your passport, please go ahead and get, go it. Ahead and get it. Because there's an 18-week wait on, on passports now. And, you know, Germany, as far as we know, they're still keeping their their um, borders open to us Um, and you know our missionaries that are serving there day in and day out they look forward to Mm. to teams coming because more than us learning um, and gaining perspective we encourage them so if you are gifted from the holy spirit with encouragement please think about going on um, this trip okay well Thank you guys for joining us today in the pod to share with us a little bit about Germany. We're going to be talking more in the near future, hopefully, about some refugee stories, some people they met there. We're going to hear where they came from, what they went through to get to Germany without any real certainty that they're going to be able to stay there. Many of them get shipped back to where they came from. And uh, we're going to hear some of those stories in the future. I hope you'll keep joining us. Listen, if you haven't walked down that missions hallway, it's still there. You can still push those buttons, mess it up. Tom will fix it. Pray for those unreached people groups of the day. Download the Joshua Project app. Pray for those folks. Keep listening to the FBC Telehama Missions podcast. Thank you for joining us today. God bless.